Welcome to the Lazy People Podcast, the podcast about all things technology and people and technology in Belgium, of course, from outside of Belgium. My name is Errol Baikal, and I'm here with my co-host, Metzian. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to the first episode of the second season. Uh, we've been away for uh, quite some time, but uh, we're back, and uh, we're back with very interesting guests. Uh, one of those interesting guests is with us today. Uh, his name is uh, Julien Terwanga, and uh, I'll, I'll let you explain a little bit more about yourself by yourself, Julien, because you, you do have like a mixed background uh, coming to the show. Yeah, that's fine. So, hello everyone. Um, I'm kind of uh, some hybrid profile, if I could say, uh, because uh, I started uh, working in IT some time ago in 2007. So, you graduate, you start as an employee, blah, blah, blah. I've held uh, multiple software engineering roles. And then, uh, after some uh, special experience uh, with my last employer, I would say. I won't uh, give any names here, of course, but uh, Matt knows everything about it. I decided that it was probably better for me to go freelance and uh, stop with some uh, inconvenience of being an employee, I would say. And since uh, 2015, I've been uh, working as a freelancer for uh, different companies, uh, beginning with the Allez, uh, mandatory health insurance, uh, mutualité in French. And then I've been to AXA, still uh, insurance company. And then I've been to some uh, cybersecurity uh, company. And then I went back to AXA because I decided uh, in the end it was better to be at AXA. And uh, in the meantime, you know, as you get a freelancer, you 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 get to be to be called, to be mailed by uh, lots and lots and of recruiters and also you you understand that there is some uh, some uh, actors in that market who are uh, the intermediates so you don't always contract directly with the client and you figure out that those intermediate companies uh, basically are taking a lot of money on on people's hard work and you are wondering uh, why not uh, why not uh, could i could i uh, make both activities being a consultant and also being a recruiter and the answer was why not so well this is my profile so i'm uh, working uh, most of my time currently as a software architect at axa so what that means it's uh, four days on five on average and uh, one day on five and i'm developing uh, it staffing business so voila, this is my, my profile. That's a lot to unpack. Okay. <laughs> so um, the the more traditional thing uh, I would say here, you know, is as a developer, uh, what I understood is at a certain point, you decided to go freelance, right? Yep. So yeah, you worked uh, in, in payroll. And at a certain point, uh, you decided to go freelance and uh, you were... Uh, if I understand correctly, um, very interested in the insurance uh, business, which is in Belgium like a pretty big sector. If I understand correctly, yeah, I'm not. I, uh, uh, I would not uh, call myself a big fan of the insurance business. It's interesting, though. But uh, I, if I could be in a rocket, uh, rocket ships, or, or maybe even uh, banking, or even guns, if it's fun, why not? But it, it came to for me to to be in the insurance business. It's some continuity, and uh, let's put it frankly, those companies have a lot of money, which means a lot of contracts, durable contracts, and no worry about renewing the contract. So that's also fine. And the most important also, AXA is a nice company with nice colleagues when you see yourself staying uh, six months, one year, two years, as long as the projects are interesting enough. But I prefer to work in such big companies than uh, working in startups. I've done that, not really startup, but uh, mid-sized companies and the outer problem, budget issue, etc., etc. So yeah, AXA is uh, an uh, insurance sector and AXA especially is a really good mix <laughs> Uh, between uh, interesting project, interesting company, interesting colleagues, so for me it's uh, really nice. So that's how I ended up in the insurance business. But I'm not an insurance specialist, not at all. With the time, I, I got some uh, some knowledge, of course, uh, but I'm not an insurance specialist. I'm still a Java architecture specialist. 
I want to actually talk to you about, you know, the the second big part of, of your profile, which is that you, uh, as a freelancer, decide to actually also recruit other freelancers. But uh, before we go on to that, I want to uh, touch on something that you said, which is, well, um, you get uh, interesting uh, interesting challenges while working at AXA, you, you know. Um, can you give us some examples of, of what you think are interesting challenges? Uh, yeah, sure, sure, in sure. Your job? Um, indeed, uh, my my main field of uh, allez, of action, I would say, uh, the the the, allez, the red wire, the continuity uh, between projects since now a lot of years has been the digitalization uh, what i mean uh, digitalization uh, can have a lot of uh, aspects but here i'm uh, talking content digitalization because uh, people do not always know but you know even big companies like axa which is a uh, insurance leader really um, not everything is yet uh, digitalized and if things have been done especially regarding the documents it's not really uh, fulfilling all the requirements. And therefore, I've been working on the integration of um, of uh, content management solution being developed by uh, some uh, entity uh, central to the group. And then I'm integrating such solution uh, with the, the Belgian uh, country. And uh, this is a lot of challenges because, you know, you have a lot of legacy applications who were not at all storing uh, documents digitally, were storing but in a legacy application, and you have to integrate all of that. So storing the document properly, the binary content, metadata, etc., etc. But not only storing, but also managing the inbound flow, the outbound flow. What it means is typically uh, there are still a lot of paper documents. You, you, you have some... Uh, you have a crash with your car, uh, still many people uh, just fill in the documents, send it via the post, and we have to, to scan it, uh, index it, etc., etc., and uh, then uh, implement the flow, sending the document with all the, the metadata into the central document repository, which is also a legal digital archive. And also, for the other part, uh, all the, the, the mail you are receiving this has to be digitalized too, meaning that uh, there, are, there is a, a lot of softwares. You know, you have template letters, you, you have uh, manual letters, etc. And all of this has to be integrated in a digital outbound flow, meaning that uh, you have to ensure that you send the right communication through the right channel, email, now even WhatsApp, or uh, send to brokers for people who still work with brokers, but also archive all the sent communication. So all of that, it's just about papers, but I can assure you it's a lot of work. It, uh, I'm on that uh, since now uh, 2017 so it, it it is five years now and uh, we are not not at the end yet and that's for all the, the business aspects but also now we are moving to um, you know all big companies still at uh, on-premise infrastructures and now we are moving we, we are already now in some uh, hybrid hybrid private cloud solution and uh, we are moving towards uh, aws so what it means, it's uh, like uh, other big companies, AXA is really targeting to move in the public cloud. That's no secret and that makes sense. Uh, as you know, uh, many big companies have already done that. But it's a huge challenge because you have a lot of legacy, you have a lot of learning curve with AWS, etc. So that means that uh, most people here at AXA will also get certified at some point uh, with uh, such new uh, technologies. So what it means is not because you work in a big company that you are only uh, working on uh, all technology on boring projects, etc. No, it can be it can be really fun. I don't say that it's uh, as much fun as I do in other teams, but in my team, it's definitely a nice experience. And as you, as I have said, uh, there, there are a lot of, of topics to to work on related to electronic content. As your as your role as an architect, do you find um, yourself confined to um, a lot of uh, drawing and explaining and less really hands-on um, technical work, or do you feel like no? I'm also I'm I'm not saying coding particularly, but like do you find yourself explaining a lot of things to 
parties and uh, orchestrating things or do you think your job is still technical um it depends on the project phases i would say uh, depends on the time but uh, mostly uh, I, i'm really more an hands-on architect uh, in other jobs i've been more in the theoretical parts i was calling myself a powerpoint developer so you have been- Allez, those uh, are important too huh? like uh, let's yeah, not make course, it, it's a very important thing meetings, yeah. you know with uh, with C-level C people uh, manager director uh, that was also some kind of political lobbying you know when you are coming with your, your digitalization uh, etc you are outsourcing scanning then you have the, the, the people from the you know the syndicates in Belgium that uh, they are fearing that your project will uh, will get people jobless so that was some part of my professional life uh, some years ago in the mandatory health insurance sector and uh, I was really more uh, with the solution slash uh, enterprise architect roles and here at AXA it's really an hybrid role between a solution architect and technical architect but in the latest months it's definitely more technical architect. I really like the fact of uh, staying hands-on Because if whatever happens, uh, political or whatever, when you are in a more political function, you you could uh, get dropped out uh, quite quickly. And uh, you don't always mean the nicest people because there is a lot of politics. I don't especially like politics, to be honest. And as you keep hands on, you keep the, the knowledge. You keep being uh, pertinent to, to other developers, etc. And... Uh, intellectually wise i think it's really interesting you know programming for me is like playing uh, legos you know mm-hmm. you, you 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 take the, the right bricks and put them together and, and uh, build something nice in the end and so that's why i like the the role of architect because you have some uh, more uh, more perspective view uh, i won't say helicopter view because it's uh, <laughs> it has been too much used but you take some perspective you you see the biggest picture but still you you build things and uh, at the end of the day even if it's complicated you have delay etc blah blah a lot of meetings at the end of the day or at the end of the week maybe you still have built things and you are um, happy from yourself you you actually have made something and that's something that I personally need the, you know the feeling that uh, I've uh, I've not lost my time yeah um, uh, to take it more into the concrete from the abstract right <clears throat> so a very blunt question like uh, do you write code as a in, in your current Activities, yeah, yeah. daily definitely, week activities. Definitely. Um, yeah. I I don't usually uh, develop the full implementation, but often I do some uh, prototyping, proof of concept. If at some point we say, okay, we need uh, that new integration, uh, uh, integrating application A with a product, uh, some product uh, coming from a third party vendor, etc. Usually I take the stuff, I start integrating with documentation, do some prototyping, and then when uh, we have proven it is working, I hand it over to uh, other developers. And oh, what yes, makes you then, what makes you then, um, which knowledge or skills do you have that a regular developer wouldn't have that would allow you to do the prototyping? Like what, what sets uh, the, the technical architect apart from, from the regular developer? Uh, to be honest, I think any senior developer can do prototyping with anything. It's just, uh, it's more a matter of curiosity, I would say. Uh, you know, um, there are people who uh, feel really comfortable staying, uh, working on the same application, doing maintenance, etc., etc. Uh, I'm uh, I'm someone who can get quickly bored of doing always the same thing, to be honest. And so I like taking new stuff, you know, uh, unfolding the box, uh, reading some manuals and trying to make it work. But I think it's not a matter of skills. Uh, anyone can do that. It's more a matter of, uh, of mindset. Yeah. Hey, uh, Matt, um, do, do you have any questions on this topic? Because I saw a few times you were going to say something. Sorry for uh, cutting you off, but, <laughs> you know, I just want to ask my uh, questions. Uh, so sorry. No, no, I think I'm okay. Um, it's, 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 um, 
you know, some of the stuff resonates because I, I know uh, Julien from, from before. Uh, and yeah, um, uh, so I, I do kind of, uh, you know, some stuff is kind of new, you know, I kind of uh, learn. Um, um, but yeah, that's fine. No, we can proceed with the next. Uh, let's unveil the next uh, questions, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, because uh, here's the thing. Um, uh, Matt and Julian, you know each other, right? Professionally, yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've from, worked from, uh, together from the uh, directly on some. Uh, what was it? I think it was. Uh, you were developing some uh, PHP application. I think it was uh, content delivery. Uh, I PHP application to clearly retrieve content. I didn't know this about Matt. So there you go. We we're finding out uh, things about Matt did PHP as well. Yeah. So uh, to fill my time as um, so. I was a Windows developer, Windows Phone developer, uh, obviously, and um, you don't have too many projects, right? So <laughs> all the projects come for uh, to iOS and Android. So when there is no project, I kind of work on, uh, you know, like uh, backend stuff. And uh, we had this, uh, yeah, I mean, PHP, uh, um, like targeting servers, like servers to support the the the, the mobile applications, almost like the middle. Uh, like the middleman between a, a service and um, and the mobile applications. So uh, I worked on some of those. Yeah. Hey, speaking of a uh, of a middleman. <laughs> nice position. <laughs> <So, laughs> <laughs> but speaking of middlemen, so um, what's really interesting uh, about you, Julien, is I mean, I, we tried to condense all technical thing. Like we could go on for an hour about uh, about the architecture. I think there's a lot of uh, interesting questions there as well. But I don't know anybody else uh, who's both a freelance developer um, slash you know architect and recruiter at the same time. But uh, you do that, right? You you basically uh, also work as a recruiter. Yes, I do definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's quite strange. Um, I no, to be honest, uh, in the beginning I was uh, thinking, okay, I'm really the only guy who do that. I'm so smart. I'm a genius, etc., etc. But actually, <laughs> not. No, no, no. Uh, there are other people who do that. Uh, I figured out because uh, you know you start uh, doing business in that field and you meet people, you talk again with people, you explain what you do on uh, social networks, and then uh, people uh, contact you, telling, okay, I'm also doing that, but. You know, um, you have the, the big recruitment companies who spend a lot of money in marketing. So everybody knows uh, who they are, what they do, etc., uh, how much they do. And you have uh, people like me who uh, are, I would say, a freelance uh, staffing consultant. It's nice. Um, who do the, 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 the staffing, uh, staffing business. But as you know, that's not because you see many advertisements on the web that you will specially work with uh, some recruitment agency or whatever. So uh, we are kind of uh, hidden people, but uh, some people do that also. Um, I don't know if the motivation are the same, but there are some. Not so many, but there are some people. So, but yeah, to be honest, uh, that's not uh, so common to see consultant doing uh, recruitment work, and uh, it's uh, it, it has been difficult in the beginning because you know um, it all. Let, let me explain how it started. So uh, earlier in the in this talk, I explained okay, I, I went freelancer, and then I discovered uh, all the, these uh, recruiters, intermediate, who are calling you all day, sending you emails, etc., etc. And so, uh, okay, there is a business somewhere because uh, otherwise, not so much people would try to do that. And um, yeah, there's a huge business. I, I think <clears throat> uh, Greg Medlin, who we had had on show a few times, he, if I'm not mistaken, Med, he mentioned like. A, Several billion dollar industry in the UK alone. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. In the UK alone, they right? work so. in IT. Huh? They work in the, in many many fields. Uh, IT is a is a big player, of course. I think the the the, the biggest uh, sectors are IT, legal, and also banking. Because of course it's a commission-based business, so the higher the rates of the consultant, the higher the, the, the commission. So voila. 
And uh, basically, it's not because you have a consultant with a lesser rate that there is uh, less work. So let's work with uh, the bigger rate. That uh, makes sense. But how it started, uh, actually, you know, you are working at some customer, etc., and you, you work via some intermediate, and they ask you, okay, uh, Julien, look, uh, the team is nice where you are working, etc., and uh, we, we need another developer to join the team. Don't you know uh, somebody? Of course, you know somebody, you, you are at work, you make friends, you know who works well. And uh, you say, okay, why not we'll be working with my friend there? Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, you could call him and uh, you explain the guy, okay, nice team here, they recruit, okay, blah, blah, blah. You you send the, the, the CV from that person to the intermediate and uh, he ends up working with you. Yeah, it's really nice. You help a friend, etc. But actually, who you help the most there, <laughs> it's the it's the the, the the staffing company because they basically did nothing. They just ask you, okay, don't you know somebody? Yes, I know somebody. You send the CV, so the guy is already uh, in trust mode, I would say, and they just do the contracting stuff. They have not done any seeking stuff, qualification stuff, or whatever. They basically done nothing. You done all the work. And they get uh, to make a placement. They get a commission, uh, not limited in time, for nothing. You've done all the job. And what you get, oh, yeah, yeah, they, they give you some, some money, some money bonus. Uh, you can get uh, 250 or maybe 500. And they, they, they will be placing a guy for at least one year, let's say. And uh, I will be nice here. I would say they will take... Uh, the, uh, 15 euro per day as a commission, which is not the most. And you figure, you multiply this by, by a number of days a year, let's say 200. And what you get, you get way more than the 500. And when I figured this out, uh, I asked myself, okay, here I've done many times most, uh, most of the job. I get nothing. And what would I need to still doing that job of recommending someone, finding the, the good profile, etc., and actually getting the, 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 the intermediate money? Because allez, uh, we can discuss, okay, is it fair to get money on top of other people's work, etc., blah, blah, blah. This is more of a philosophical question, but I think it answers a need. Huh? Otherwise, uh, nobody would use uh, intermediate companies. But here, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, if you are not doing it, uh, some other company will do, and maybe they will do uh, not good enough work. They will do that to, uh, without the, the right ethics, etc. So I decided, okay, I will try to do that myself. What was the What was the first time? Like, when was the first time you brought a candidate uh, to a, pot a potential um, uh, company? Uh, like your first potential match. Do you remember that the first time? Uh, you mean when I was an employee and I recommended someone or the first? No, no, no. Yes. The first time you basically got somebody hired somewhere and you made money off of it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, the first time, uh, surprisingly enough, it was uh, in the the, the, the the first phase of uh, coronavirus pandemic uh, in, um, in May 2020. So uh, really strangely, uh, I managed to, to get that stuff done. And uh, it was really beginning, uh, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, most people uh, started working or were working for home. All the, the, the hiring were totally cancelled, etc. And at some point, uh, that company still needed a consultant and they were really, really well into the, the home working stuff, etc., etc. And they didn't mind uh, to hire someone who basically will start uh, full remote uh, until, uh, you don't know, at that time, mm -hmm. it was in May 2020. So it was until the, recently, the almost then, because uh, during the pandemic, I think uh, everybody had to start remotely, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remotely, the problem yeah. was that nobody uh, was still hiring because they didn't know, okay, can we start with someone who uh, we have uh, never seen? Can we do all the onboarding remote? Or how will we give him his laptop because we cannot have any contact and blah, 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 you know, the stuff. And uh, as everything was blocked, nobody else wa was, uh, was working anymore. I had this deal uh, done quite quickly. And uh, it, was, it was really nice because... Um, you know, a, a fun fact with recruiting is uh, sometimes you will put a lot of work trying to find people, find the right demands, etc. You work out or you work out, but in the end, that doesn't work. 
for some reason that doesn't work and at some point you will get some uh, phone call uh, in the morning okay look i'm looking for that kind of consultant that kind of company da, 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 da. and you give another call in the afternoon and the match is made by the end of the day you've basically worked half an hour and the match is made so it's kind of matching the, the recruitment and uh, that's how it met how it went for that uh, that first deal so that was fine that was fine and this was uh, <laughs> most can, can i ask you business. something this this the recruitment you you did like um how come somebody came and asked you do you know somebody um <laughs> it's also uh, quite fun you know it's a it's a business when you need to to have uh, some imagination um let's say uh, this is for a big uh, banking uh, company uh, the, the the customer and is it AXA? Um, no 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 no, no. <laughs> it has nothing to do with AXA. it's uh, just a, a big uh, company active in uh, banking everybody knows it's uh, uh, source brussels so really nice and um, I get uh, demand from another uh, recruitment company for uh, for a profile they, they were wanting uh, me to work for them uh, I get that demand I was not interested but I, I thought okay mm, that is really the profile of some guy I know uh, who could be a really good fit and uh, I had already before contacts with uh, another company who was a first line supplier with that uh, banking company and I knew that that could um, do placement uh, using them uh, using uh, I don't know who uses most the other but uh, that's another discussion but I knew that I could do business with them and I just called them I said okay look I got the job description for uh, from uh, another recruitment company uh, I don't know if you are aware if you know the manager etc etc but I know a guy who could be a really fit and that could be a, a nice business opportunity. And then actually the, my contact in the, that, uh, that uh, first line supplier uh, gave some phone calls. He was not aware of the demand. And actually he phoned the manager who was hiring and uh, we, we, we sent directly the, the, the resume of, of my, uh, my contact, the, the, the consultant. And he got an interview, uh, I think, uh, two or three days later. So uh, really, it was uh, kind can of fun. We, to... Can we assume that before doing any of these things, you you went to the the candidate and you said, "Hey, <laughs> is it okay if I pitch you?" Or does this person at that point don't know what's going on? Uh, sorry, can you repeat, please? I so the, the person who's going to be placed, the candidate who, who would be placed, right? You yeah, said, "Oh, yeah, I know yeah. a good profile." Did, did they know? what you are going to do or was it okay i'm going to talk to these people first and then i'll see uh if the candidate is available because that was also going to be what my other question is that the person in question like the profile in question they were looking for an opportunity you knew this or you went to them and said look i know you're working somewhere but i have an opportunity for you how did that play out um there are two things here but you come to a very important aspect of recruitment to me at least uh, recruitment can work only uh, if based on trust. You need trust from both parties, but mostly from the candidates. If a candidate doesn't trust you or doesn't like you, you won't never do anything with him. And if a client doesn't trust you or doesn't like you, it's the same. But the client are so have so much demand that it's a bit less important, but still it's the client. So, but if the consultant doesn't trust you, it doesn't work. And that person, uh, someone I've, I was working with uh, some months ago, and uh, a really nice guy, and uh, I already explained the, the, the business I was wanting to do, etc. He was uh, aware of everything. So uh, I didn't catch him by surprise, I would say. And uh, he was sending a mission. He was sending a mission, so he was uh, getting potentially available. The market was not too good. And I think he somehow made me a favor, uh, uh, thinking, okay, my mission is going to end. Uh, the pandemic is here. It's new. Nobody knows what to do. And that guy, as I know, is uh, starting into recruitment. Am I taking a big risk working with him now in the balance? No, I don't think so because allez, if he knows what he's doing, it's worth having an opportunity and starting a new mission right now. So I will take the risk. And uh, in some way, the pandemic helped me a lot in that case. 
but yeah, as I said, provided yes, you like with the uh, circumstances. We didn't the guy before. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, this, you know, when you explained to me the first deal you made, uh, like you said, the pandemic played a role in it. It's almost like the series of events create the circumstance where you could quickly say, oh, you know, I know this person and I can place them there. It's almost serendipitous. But yeah, you, you continue after, after the May of last year, of May of last year, when you did your first placement, you, you went on and you, you placed more profiles, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. How many did you place in total, if you may know? Um, today, I've made in total five placements and I have four active consultants. What it means is that I had a consultant who uh, decided to end his current mission and I place him on another mission, so five placements and four consultants. Okay, oh, the, the person you placed, uh, you helped them, you helped to find them another position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, Julia, uh, just like a, an, an offhand question, but when is this going to become your full-time job at this pace? Um, <laughs> quick answer, uh, I'm tempted to say never. Never, yeah, yeah. Uh, I will explain why, but it's a really interesting question. Um, to be honest, uh, and not to, 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 to be uh, rude with a full-time consultant, recruiter, etc., but intellectually wise, uh, I could not do that all the time. Really, not, not, not. It's uh, really... Uh, as I said, uh, I'm uh, someone who likes to build things, to, to think, to, to, to develop, etc., to figure out new solutions. And that, that's what uh, architecture slash programming uh, job provides me. So I really need this uh, intellectual challenge. But in the other one, uh, in the other hand, sorry, I, I, why did I start it with recruitment? It was not because I was passionate in uh, finding a uh, new missions to people even still I, it's nice to help people but the main motivation was okay I have one kid I have a second one uh, who is coming in uh, January uh, next year and I need congrats time. yeah okay everybody need time at least if you if you want to to, to, to live your, your life to the most I would say uh, I need time but if you take time as a consultant you don't get paid it's, uh, it makes sense, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, how could I get paid without actually being working? And that <laughs> was the point when I figured, oh, okay, uh, recruitment uh, can be an activity who uh, gets passive re revenues. But when I say passive, uh, it's not really passive because nothing is passive. It's just that uh, you can get revenue for some work you've done before and the money comes after. You, you, you yes, I would, I would also argue against calling it a passive income because, <clears throat> you know, in our previous discussions um, uh, with the recruiters on the show, like the professional recruiters I could do this as a full-time job. And when we ask, uh, for example, Greg saying, you know, what is uh, exactly the thing that sets you aside? He, he would say... He invests a lot of time in um, creating opportunities as well. It's not just the opportunities being there, but he says if you get to know the companies that you're working with and you sort of grow an insight into into their needs, you can actually go and tell them, "Hey, I think you might be interested." Even though you don't have a um, like a job position open at this point, but I think some I have someone who's interesting for you. So, yeah, it's not. Passive, but I understand what you mean. It's recurring, like it's a recurring revenue. Yeah, more it's than a recurring passive. and it's uh, it's delayed revenue, also. Yeah, so it's not like, um, uh, well, we could go into the debate. Is there anything that's actually passive income? But okay, let's not. <laughs> let's not. No, that's not the out, point. But, but we, yeah. we all understand uh, what you mean. Here. Yeah. So I think well, your point is very clear. Yeah, go, go a, ahead, Matt. I have a question. Yeah. Um, so, I, uh, so we spoke at the beginning about digitization, digit, digitalization, right? So, um, like for example, this uh, insurance paperwork that we get digitalized. Now, this is a business you wanna you wanna that you do to the side, for example, that requires um, that you claim now that well, you like to build stuff. I mean, you like to do the engineering part, and this one doesn't fit it. Could there be some digitalization to recruitment? 
where um, you're building some sort of mechanism, like and, a, and... like an online slave market, where people can go and say, <laughs> "I bid like... higher, I bid higher," and then the highest bidder or the one with the most best incentives, they go, "Okay, we sold them." <laughs> well, it, it like well, I mean, so in in the states, for example, uh, 15 years ago, already was a monster.com, right? It was like the biggest recruitment website, right? Where uh, a lot of you know uh, work was uh, uh, a lot of deals were exchanged for as you know employees and and uh, and work givers in a sense, and it seemed like to me, but I don't know if it, because of the shift in from 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 the U.S. to Europe, it seemed like the the human recruitment the the, the um, kind of um, has its place or took over or or maybe more interesting than the um, the digital aspect of it. So, are we missing another revolution of digitizing this process and where you can really do what you're doing and improve, for example, that that system? Uh, and you have a even better, a closer to passive, <laughs> if you didn't call it passive right now. Um, and you do both things. I mean, you're doing recruitment, um, and you're also putting the puzzles together, right? To, uh, you know, like to improve the algorithms or. Mm, yeah, yeah, I get your question, and that, that's something uh, I've uh, quite often heard uh, as comments. Don't you think that uh, even if you're doing that, uh, if we get uh, digitalized like uh, many other things? Um, I would say such platforms uh, that you are mentioning, they already exist. Huh? Uh, to take an example, you have uh, uh, mynextcompany.io, who is now named after Beaver, uh, whatever. It's some platform when uh, it's the new monster. Huh? So as a developer, you go there, you put your CV, your skills, and uh, they call themselves the, the Tinder of recruitment. Okay, that's really nice. But um, I don't believe it will uh, fully replace uh, human recruiters because, as I said, it's all a matter of trust. And, uh, you know, us consultants, uh, it's really nice because we are like some, uh, you know, diva. Huh? We have uh, spoiled children. We don't have to do anything to get a job, at least when we are in the white field, but I think we all are at the moment. And um, we don't want to um, take the actions to actually uh, look for a job or whatever or whatever. Uh, at least I never did. I always been uh, contacted. Okay, I, I'm on a nice project. Don't you want to come and blah, blah, blah. And for that reason, uh, I don't think people will go by themselves uh, looking for a new job or go on a platform and uh, check for opportunities, etc. They really more like to be contacted. You know, ah, you are really a special. Can I can I give you an example there, Julia? Is it like it's Tinder for uh, developers for recruitment, but uh, they're all these are all people in a relationship. They don't go on Tinder, right? So. You got to be like, hey, you know what? You should leave your current relationship. Come on to the Tinder for developers type of thing because all the developers are, you know, they're set. You're not really looking around, right? Because the opportunities come to them. So why should I go, you know, register, look around, swipe left and right? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I mean, most people, they're on a mission and... Uh... At some point, you know, you start a mission, let's say uh, three, six, uh, six months, one year, it's okay, it's okay. And then you go on the files, okay, it's fine. I may be interested by something else, but I'm not actively looking. So, voila. And that's the time when actually you, you, you could change uh, from a mission, but you will only change, in my opinion, at least, if you are contacted by a really interesting opportunity in terms of maybe... Uh, a better rate, uh, something closer but to your this, home. Doesn't uh, this already exist? Isn't it LinkedIn? Um, just to, you know, like almost everyone I know, it could be different outside of Belgium or outside the circle I know, like all the developers I know are on LinkedIn, right? So yeah. the only thing you need to do is change your status to looking for work, I think, and, and people will contact you, no? Yeah, but... Here comes the, the, the really, I mean, how to say that my English is not so good. Um, you know, uh, you can be contacted by um, 10 people for the same job, but at some point, if you choose one of these, you have the really the, the, the special thing who, as a developer, will uh, let you think, okay, 
I am eager to, to, to go uh, the next step with that person on that opportunity. And really, that's where I think uh, you can have the, any platform you want. Uh, the platform or the tools or whatever, they are just uh, speeding up things because it's easy to communicate. It's in certain use. You can uh, share files, etc., etc. It's really nice. But it, in yeah. the end, it's all uh, you know, a discussion between you I get, I'm going to bring you back to Tinder. And I, I know my wife sometimes listens to the show. I've never been on Tinder. I've never used it. But I would imagine, you know, where the where the analogy sort of works is you you accept to meet someone on Tinder, but you still need to go and talk to them in real life, right? And mm-hmm. that's where the, the human connection comes in. Like it yeah. could be, yeah, and you meet them, like yeah, it, it, it doesn't connect. So the platform cannot guarantee the connection. The connection is always on the human side. And I think what you're trying to say is by having the human intermediary instead of the platform, it might maybe increase the trust and you know, the, the matchmaker in, in the middle can also sense like, oh, this is going to work or not work as well, mm-hmm. more than an algorithm can, maybe. And you've come to a very interesting point here. Uh, actually, I've never made a placement with someone I don't personally know. And I think that's really the turning point. If you don't invest time in uh, knowing people, uh, getting interest about them, what they do, what they like, what are their specialties, and especially uh, about their soft skills, their personality, etc. If you don't have a really uh, a relation with them, I think you will never get to make a placement with them because you cannot differentiate from other people and they will not have trust in working with you. That's really my opinion. And as I said, uh, I spent most time, uh, many, many time building relationship with people when I was working with them or since I've been recruitment. Um, I've been, uh, for instance, uh, you, you will, uh, at some point, you will uh, get in touch with, with someone uh, via LinkedIn or, or something else, or you will work uh, as a co- in a, with a colleague or you will get back in touch with someone you previously work with. Will have some phone calls, uh, go go to eat something or whatever, and um, you, you are just strengthening the the relationship. You also explain what you do. Huh? Okay, uh, look, I'm also in recruitment business. That's how I work, etc., etc. But really, I avoid to to put any pressure in there. But as uh, you spend time to 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 build and uh, and maintain those relations, at some point it could end up in a placement because it's. Um, it's a relationship on, of trust in both ways. What it means is, of course, people need to trust me to work with me because I'm also not a big company. So maybe some think, some, some people think, okay, we'll get bankrupt, that we'll never get paid, etc. And that happens. I was, I've spoken with people who were working with a small intermediate and basically the, the, the manager for the company uh, took the money and went to Mexico. So that was fine with uh, three months of uh, of bills so uh, the, the the consultant uh, got bankrupt uh, the, the he, he could not create another company the guy in mexico uh, I, somehow he, he avoided to, to be uh, to be sued for whatever but um what i was saying okay uh, you uh, you need people to trust you as an individual, as a company also, because uh, the, the, the big intermediate company, they, they, they inspire trust and uh, you know you will get paid. Huh? That's not always the case for a smaller company. But also as a recruiter, uh, I need to really know that people I, I will work with are, are trustworthy. Because what, what I've seen uh, with uh, classic recruiters they most most of the time they, they don't understand what what the consultants are doing they cannot assess if they they will work uh, in a qualitative way and uh, sometimes they, they they think they do a really nice placement and uh, two months after it all explodes because basically the guys is uh, the, the the guy the, who started the mission uh, was really good at the interview but he had a horrible personality and uh, he was uh, he was really some kind of uh, he lied about his skills and he managed to pass the interview but two months after the, the client uh, discovered that uh, there was a fault and I believe that's something I, I won't get into because 
as uh, really getting to know people, to, to discuss uh, technical aspects, to understand the job, etc. I mean, I, I really know the, the, I mean, I, I don't like to say that, but I really know the product I'm selling. Yeah, I think, but I think that works in both ways, right? I mean, the last example you gave, it could also be where um, uh, some employee get placed, you place him somewhere, but then the, that, that environment, uh, they just don't like it. Um, and maybe in the interview, he, they were not able to see uh, that that project fully or or even how the colleagues are. Because you go to an interview, for example, and you're not going to meet the whole company. You're only going to meet, you know, two people, three people max. Um, and sometimes you might, you, one of these people or two of these people are not even the ones that you're going to work with. They might be, uh, uh, they might be just HR and you know, or the owner or managers. So um, I think, so well, I think what you mentioned. I mean, I, I agree um, and I understand it. Makes sense as far as that relationship um, uh, has to be. Um, the match has to be made and it has to be like some sort of relationship that you facilitate to the best of your, the more you know both sides, whether the the, the, the company or the, the employer or the employee, knowing both of them, you can make that judgment to say, well, this would be a good fit. But there's a small chance, obviously, you reduce the chances for that not working out. Um, yeah, that's... Yeah, any... Uh, I don't know, uh, Julien, do you want to uh, comment on that? Uh, sorry, uh, that was some uh, audio disturbance. Uh, can you repeat the question? Yeah, I, no, well, it, actually, it's not like, more, more, not like really a question, but it's more like it goes in both ways, right? So you have to, um, so you have to know the candidates, but you also have to know the company as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, so yeah, go to your point. Yeah, um, of course, of course, it's also really important to know where you are sending your consultants because you can also lose trust if you put them in some uh, horrible project with a huge turnover. Um, it's difficult uh, to, to always know what they will work on because uh, it's not because you had a nice experience with a big company that uh, the, the next experience will be nice. There are a lot of teams, a lot of different projects. It's also a matter of people, of course, of course. Um, you take It's like taking, taking a bet. On that let's be honest huh? we have all lived that uh, we have been working uh, we have started jobs uh, sometimes sometimes it was really nice you, you stay there three years and sometimes you stay there six months and six months uh, it was already too much um, you never really know what i try to do um, i try to really uh, understand pretty well the, the 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 clients i try to have the most information from insiders and that's also where it helps to be a consultant myself because you know a lot of people, you know, basically in uh, every big company, you know, people uh, who work there and can uh, give give them a call. Okay, look, uh, I've seen uh, there is a demand from that company where you are working. What do you think on, of that team, that project, etc.? I try to get the, the most information. If I really feel uh, that this uh, some uh, some shit project, I just stop there because... Uh, I have trust in people uh, 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 I request information from. That's uh, I mean, that's always useful. Um, but yeah, you you never really know. But you really try to avoid at the maximum uh, sending people in uh, in crop emissions, of course, of course. But uh, a fun fact uh, I had recently, you know, the, the consultant uh, I found him a new mission. He was on a mission. It was really nice, good trade, etc. Uh, nice people, good interview, but it ended up uh, that he had not enough work and uh, he got bored somehow. And he told me, okay, look, uh, it's nice. Uh, I am paid off on time. People are nice. It's not uh, far from home, but I'm bored. Uh, I need something else because I have basically nothing to do. That happens. And uh, what can I say there? How, how could I forecast that? It was impossible because I knew other people who, who were uh, too busy, they had too much work, etc. And that guy, my guy, he had basically nothing to do. Uh, so, okay, uh, I, uh, I, uh, I, um, 
I accepted the situation, even if, okay, uh, he's there since four months, you have all done the contracting stuff, it's running, etc. Okay, you say, fine, uh, let's look for a new mission, and hopefully you, you will have work to do there. And uh, if I knew, I would not have sent, sent him there, but you never know. But I think, okay, you never know, but it's important to react uh, responsibly. With the traditional uh, consulting slash intermediate company, what they will do, okay, he's complaining, but in the end he will stay. Let him there. We are billing uh, nicely. We are taking a nice commission. We are a big, com a big company. How can he complain about having nothing to do? Okay, it may seem strange. If I was in this case, I would certainly have found something else to do, a recruitment, for instance. But it was not his case, and so I had to to manage this. So voila, it's part of the job. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> this being the uh, so many show where we talk IT recruitment. Matt, we, we should rename the show to, <laughs> to the recruitment yeah. show, Recruit. by the way. No, I don't but think we have... I, it, it boils uh, down to... Oh, yeah. It's part of uh, life, actually, right? For developer, that's the, that's yeah, the reason yeah, why we have this, part, you know? Because yeah. we, we encounter this in technology, um, it seems like. But okay, go but ahead. I, what, what I wanted to say was that the red uh, thread uh, through all of these discussions seems to be that at the end of the day, you're dealing with humans and exactly. persons and individuals. It also reminds me of this uh, uh, episode we had with Joram Verspelt, where he said, you know, how come in these huge companies you have, you have these uh, churn rates where, uh, or, uh, you know, uh, attrition where people are, have good jobs, they get paid well, but they leave. Like, why is this happening? And I think it all boils down to this, right? We are uh, in a luxury position, uh, like Julien says, like we, we are spoiled to the point where it's like, yeah, I, I don't like it here uh, and I'm going to go. Uh, it's not like we, we're stuck in these jobs and we have the opportunity to switch as well. So we, we're in this luxury position to finding the perfect match and complaining it's, about things like, yeah, I don't have enough you, to do. It's not you, it's me, right? Yeah. And <laughs> this is... You know, we should be grateful for being in that position. But at the same time, you know, uh, recruiters also realize that, like you say, they're dealing with, with divas and everyone is an individual. So that's why I think the, the most difficult challenge for the recruiter is to get to know the person they're placing. Is also what the professional recruiters that came to the show, they said, you know, if you don't get to know these people, if you don't build a trust relationship with them, you can't place them because you don't understand what makes them tick? Like, oh, maybe they're uh, they're expecting a second child, huh? or, or they're moving to a new house, to a new region. You need to take these things into account and have empathy for them because they're dealing with uh, with human beings. So, to me, you know, this I, I want to take this broader than just than just recruitment. It just goes to show that technology basically is not carried by machines. It's carried by uh, individual people with their own characters. You know, before the show, we talked about how cats, Julia, <laughs> you know, your cat has its character. My cats, you know, they have, they're, you know, completely different. One. And yeah, they are worse on consultants to cats. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, although <laughs> one might say that uh, leading a team of developers is sometimes compared to herding cats. Huh? They, you, you hear that sometimes. Yeah, so, basically, yeah. yeah. To, to all Except the, they the, don't bring live mouse in the office, but. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I use a trackpad, so I never bring that. <laughs> but, you know, think think of it this way. Like from from the outside perspective, maybe people think, you know, a company like Google, um, you know, maybe AXA, insurances, or, you know, whatever big technology is there. It's not built by robots. It's built by humans with, uh, you know, emotions, preferences, you know. For example, the example you, you, you gave of, of the person said, uh, I don't have anything to do here. I want to go. For another consultant, he might think, yeah, I don't do anything. And I get like, there are people like that out there. I know there are. Um, mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. passive and income, is, it's called, right? It's passive <laughs> income. <laughs> if, you're, if you're that type of person, yeah. I mean, but uh, not, to, not to. Okay. So. Uh, uh, well, not I to make a, it too a, philosophical. <laughs> I have a question. So, so Julien, what's the goal? Because so you you clearly say you don't want to jump into recruitment hundred percent because you you have um, uh, uh, you have this um, 
you like developing, you like um, putting things together, you like the engineering part of, of, of the work that you do, the, the, the initial <laughs> uh, uh, skills that you have. Um, so what would what what do you what do you see as um, success for the recruitment you started now? What what you would like to see? Maybe you uh, in question. Uh, yeah. I think uh, in uh, any any endeavor you you start, uh, especially a, a tough one like recruitment, you need to to have a, a clear target. Otherwise, you lose focus and you don't get to achieve that target. Um, my target from the beginning was to have. 10 consultants. I think it's the, the count that I can manage uh, roughly alone. Um, so 10 consultants, what would it mean? Uh, let's uh, talk figures here uh, with an uh, average uh, commission of 50 euros. 10, 10 consultants is uh, 15, uh, 50, 1500, uh, 500, sorry, <laughs> I need to eat. Uh, 500, mm -hmm. 500 a day, uh, 10 consultants, um, which is quite comfortable as a revenue. Of course, you have to, to manage these uh, 10 consultants. But my goal is to work on uh, my main mission of engineering uh, three days a week. I don't think I could find a mission with uh, less days a week or uh, it will be less stable, etc. And uh, I need uh, a main mission which is stable for two reasons because uh, I don't want to, to mind if a contract will end, where, where will I work, etc. As I said, I will have two kids, so uh, I, have, uh, I have things to, to, to worry about. So... Um, a main mission with three days a week, uh, guaranteeing some uh, revenue also. So uh, the side revenue is nice, but I want to keep my main revenue because I don't want to to do a shit job in recruitment just uh, to get my money. I really don't want to do that. So um, I will always focus on quality. So I really want to have 10 consultants on long-term mission who are enjoying the mission and who are also helping me building the network because the next step of that project is uh, I will keep working three days a week for uh, my engineering job and I will take two days a week to uh, maintain and grow the business of staffing. And what, uh, how will I do that is uh, unlike other staffing companies, um, I will share the benefits of staffing. What does it mean? It means that uh, if you're a consultant of uh, my company and if you bring someone else on board, you will get a percentage, a recurring percentage of the commission I will take. So I will want to, people to be motivated to bring other people to also do commercial prospection. And I want to somehow build some pyramid, you know, but in the good sense of the expression. And I think it can work. It already has worked because I've got a recommendation of consultants that I didn't know. Uh, people recommended them and I have consultants who will work, uh, who will get uh, a part of the commission of the company. And therefore, the, the, the mid-term goal, as I said, it is 10. But then I don't know exactly the, the, the limit I want to reach. But for sure, I will need to hire some, uh, some other people at least to do the administrative tasks. So uh, that's, uh, I would say, a second phase. So first phase is uh, get 10 consultants uh, out and billing, uh, get the money to replace the days I'm not working on engineer, engineering job, but also the money that will pay the, the administrative uh, people, the marketing, etc., the tooling, etc. So uh, to get uh, the... the, the, the the business uh, running uh, healthfully or not have any debts, etc. And uh, as I have uh, that structure going on, which uh, which I will do uh, because all the, the lights are green at the moment, then I could scale up. But always keeping in mind, okay, I've started this business to have more time, more autonomy and more freedom to do uh, things I love. Okay, that's like a typical thing you hear with uh, entrepreneurs like, yeah, <clears throat> I want to have more time, so I'm going to work harder. <laughs> so, you know, you have to be smart with this. Yeah, but I, I think I think you got it. Uh, you got it under uh, under control. Seems like to me. Um, look, this is, uh, again, a, a very interesting topic uh, that could have uh, gone on for another hour, but we, we've reached the, the end of our show. So, Julien. Uh, what we uh, 
traditionally do or start doing at the end of the last season is we're going to ask you to give a synopsis or like a the uh, uh what do you call it the samovar thing <laughs> i completely ex- escaped my mind like a synopsis. summary the summary <laughs> yes thank you <laughs> can you give us the the summary of of the show because I have to say, like we talked about so many different things. I'm curious whether uh, you're going to be able to summarize it. Hmm. Well, this is difficult. Um, how to summarize this? I would say um, it was uh, really about um, how to put that. Yeah, how can be the life of a consultant uh, who decided to explore a new world uh, with uh, really really few people doing the the same activity and uh, does it work actually Uh, is it fun is it complex Uh, is it sustainable and uh, what are the motivation uh, behind uh, that uh, hybrid kind of uh, of profile i would say okay I think that's fair enough. It's pretty broad, but it captures everything. But given the the diversity of the things we talked about, it's very difficult to summarize. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll give it a thumbs up. Okay. <clears throat> hey, uh, Med, is there anything uh, you want to add? Um. Well, you know, there's <laughs> like usual. <laughs> there's tons of questions, but again, we, we they go endless, right? So. Um... I think I want to thank uh, Julien for you know joining us in the show. Uh, maybe maybe in the future because I'm because usually when there's a target uh, or there's a goal, I'm curious to see well how did we do. So uh, <laughs> it'd be nice to uh, catch up maybe uh, in a year from now to see well how uh, you know uh, how is the business you know. Yeah uh, sure 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 yeah that'd be interesting. sounds like a good plan. Uh, we should. Uh... Put it in our agenda so that uh, next year we get you back and you can uh, give us a bit more about because it's not only about uh, your uh, jumping to the other side, if you will, of the coins, going from uh, consultant to recruiter, but also, you know, there's entrepreneurship in there as well. So uh, overall, we started with that, to be honest, with the entrepreneurship. Yeah. I, um... You know, uh, at some point, I had a friend who told me about uh, some uh, some famous uh, business books. Uh, one I especially like is, uh, I don't know the, the title in English, so I will say it in French, uh, La Semaine de Quatre Heures. Oh, uh, yeah. The four-hour work week, week, I think it's called. Yeah, four hours work week, uh, quite straightforward. Or the four-hour week, yeah. I haven't read it, but the, the title rings a bell. So this has an impact on you, this book? Yeah, I really, really recommend because it really puts things in perspective. Uh, it uh, completely changed the paradigm uh, paradigm about how we see our, not only our professional lives, but uh, the, our, our world lives. Um, and from that, I thought, okay, here, if I want to change the way I'm living my life, I have to live it differently, at least business-wise. Business business-wise. And therefore, I began to think, okay, what could I do that would fit in the paradigm it describes in such books? And there are, there, there are similar books, but it all started with that. And ultimately, I figured out that the, the most fitting business model uh, to achieve that was the, the recruitment. Okay. We, we could definitely do uh, another podcast episode about all the interesting business books and, uh, and uh, also life life changing books. I, I think it's the Four Hour Work Week by Timothy Ferris. I, I looked yeah, it up yeah, yeah. while exactly. we were explaining exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, it's one of those books you you see uh, uh, passing. You know, like it's it's a typical books like uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad is another one that uh, you know people cite as influential. Okay, yeah, I, I I look at you know. Well, we need to wrap this, I think, but I um, would like to just quickly. Um, um, I think the way it goes is like, um, unless you are in one position and you're not moving, so that would be the, the exception or that's where you would be doing the same thing for the rest of your life. But as long as you are moving, um, as soon as you make a move, you're going to see other things you may not have thought of. So, um, for example, 
if you, you were an employee and at some point you said, you know what, I'm going to go freelance. So you went freelance and then you thought, oh, for me, let me, you know, help other consultants place them, for example. And you, you did that. And once you reach your goal, you're going to see something else and you're going to move to that because you're always making that move. And you're just giving yourself some reasons to do that. You say, well, I need more time, uh, more free time. Uh, but it ends up being, uh, I'm not going to say in 100% of the cases, but in a lot of cases, it ends up being like, you know, you're working the same. You know, it's you. It's you. you know, uh, you're not going to get more time. You will not. Uh, uh, your life would change a bit, but but again, that's that moving target. Uh, other people would see it as, uh, for example, in our cases, right? From employee, you go to freelance. Some other people see it, well, from freelance, I want to make a product. You know, and sell the product. Some other people might see it. Well, uh, from here, I want to um, create a book or, or make a uh, um, my experience kind of put into place, right? Make a uh, um, like a template for the rest of people to follow, for example. Um, a few other people might be, for example, you can start work for a company. For example, you work for, let's suppose you work for insurance and like, hey, I learned about insurance. I like this domain. So you jump into something else, right? And you could not have made that move from the initial, initially if you did not were mm-hmm. moving, you know, or kind of yeah, evolving. I get what you, what you, yeah. uh, what and you this are is saying. It's like uh, step stones. Uh, you, mm-hmm. you step to another one and from that yeah. point of view, you see other stones, etc. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's a journey. It's a, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, it's, <laughs> and, and if you played the old, if you played some old computer games, like you know the concept of fog of war, right? The more you progress into the fog, the yeah, other things become visible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, exactly, and this exactly. is so true. I, I reminds me the good time of uh, Red Alert Two, you know, with the Russians and the the USA. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and now you <laughs> gave away how old you are, Julia. <laughs> you know how old that game is. Yeah. Okay, but we are getting old. This is true. There's, uh, but that's another topic for another uh, broadcast or another show. That's, that's why this is a podcast and not a TikTok, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a TikTok okay. video. <laughs> it's too long. It's too long. I'm pretty sure it's too long if it compared to like a, a Instagram story or like 30 seconds or whatever you get. And we're like one hour and six minutes, which is way over our target time. But this is what you get when you have interesting guests. So um, our interesting guest of the day was uh, Julian Terwanga. Am I pronouncing it correctly, by the way, Julia? Uh, it's a bit uh, with the Flemish accent, so uh, the, the, the proper pronunciation would be Julien Terwagne. Terwagne. Okay, Julien Terwagne. Where can people find you um, if they want to reach out to you? They won't find me. I will find them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real recruiter. I'm the one who knocks. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no, I, I have some um, some web- website for for the, my staffing company. Um, it's called uh, Increase. Increase. Increase yeah. uh, you know, it's uh, uh, the letter just N C R E A S E dot tech. Uh, I will put it in the chat. So if you want to uh, put it along in the podcast, yeah, description. we'll we'll put it in the in the podcast description and uh, in the LinkedIn post that we make about it. And there they'll find like your contact details as well. Uh, on Probably, the website, yeah. uh, you will find everything. And uh, the, the the most interesting is to follow the company on LinkedIn. So if people want to get in touch, discuss, uh, take a coffee. Okay, uh, we'll definitely also tag uh, increase um, on uh, on the LinkedIn post for this as well. Okay, Master Med, where can people find you? Um, as as always, you can find me on uh, medmed.com. That's M-A-D-M-E-D.com. Okay, my name is Errol Baikal. You can find me on baikal.be, B-A-Y-K-A-L.be for Belgium. Thanks a lot for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the first episode of the second season. We'll catch you later. Bye. Bye-bye.